Welcome to the Go Ye Forth podcast, where we hear inspiring stories from returned missionaries of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who have served all across the globe. I am your host, Jason Bringhurst. Hello, everybody. On today's show, we get to meet Krista White, a sister missionary who I served with in the wonderful France-Bordeaux mission. We'll get to hear about her missionary experiences in one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And, yeah, I'm a little biased. (laughs) And in my Missionary Minute, I share my thoughts on serving each other. So let's get to it. Or as we say in France, allons! Well, welcome to the show, Krista. Of course, uh, I always have to think of you as Sir Chadwick because (laughs) we served together in France. And sister in French is Sir, and your maiden name was Chadwick. But uh, Krista White is who we are meeting with today, to be clear. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's funny, too, because uh, after my mission, I don't remember when it was, but at some point I was, I was speaking about a sister missionary, and I was speaking with someone who didn't speak French, and I said something like, you know, Sir Chadwick, and they were, like, picturing, like, British royalty, Your Majesty, uh, <laughs> Sir Chadwick the <VIII." laughs> Oh, that's funny. <laughs> and, and that never occurred to me the entire time that we were in France. That uh, it could be no, away. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have thought of that either. No. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, let's. Uh, you know, I know you a little bit, and and we served together in France. But uh, let's let's get to know you and let our audience uh, get to know you. Tell us a little bit about your family and where you grew up. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in Grand Junction, Colorado. Um, I was actually adopted. Um, my, um, my adoptive family adopted me when I was a month old. Um, I have a, a older sister that is about 10 years older than me. That's their, um, biological child. Mm-hmm. And then they weren't able to have any more children after that. Um, they, they'd had one baby and she passed away. And so mm-hmm. they had adopted me. And, um, so, um, there's just the two of us in that family, but um, recently I have been able to locate my birth family, and I've added nine more siblings. Wow. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. So, um, but I grew up here in Grand Junction. I um, went to Snow College for a couple of years in Ephraim, Utah, and um, then I served my mission in France mm-hmm. and um, came back home. And um, married a fellow that had been waiting for me. Awesome. <laughs> um, and he had actually joined the church while I was away. Oh. Um, and um, we've been married now um, almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years at the end of this month. Oh, and fantastic. we have three amazing kids. Um, our oldest is 29. And then we have a 24-year-old and an almost 20-year-old. Cool. That yeah. is great. So did you come from like a missionary oriented family? Um, actually, I didn't. You know, my my father, um, you know, both my parents grew up in the church. They're both mm-hmm. from um, Lehigh and American Fork um, in Utah. And they um, are, you know, pioneer stock. But mm-hmm. my father did not actually serve a mission. He grew up in a time um, period when it was it was more optional. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it isn't 
optional now, but that it was just not as expected of young men. Um, His bishop had actually called him in to see if he would go on a mission, but my mother had told him, if you go, I won't wait for you. (laughs) And so they were dating at the time. Uh So that kind of made his decision for him. But he has um, served in bishoprics and stake presidencies ever since. So he's kind of done his mission um, otherwise. But no, I was the first one in my family to serve a mission. So what was kind of the tipping point that made you to decide to serve a mission then? Um, well, this is probably not the best reason for serving a mission, but for <laughs> me, right. it was it was the best. Yeah. Um, my life was just kind of going in a bad direction. I mm-hmm. was just um, just making a lot of less than stellar choices. And mm-hmm. um, it just kind of came to me one day that if I didn't get my act together, that I was going to end up in a really bad place. Um, I was, I'd always had a testimony of the church, but I kind of had a rebellious streak to me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about that before where, you know, I I believed it, but I also kind of wanted to do my own thing. And I felt like if I didn't straighten up that I was going to really have issues. And for some reason, um, and I know now it was my parents doing a lot of praying and, and going to the temple and um, but I felt impressed that a mission was going to help get me on the right path. Oh, that's um, awesome. So, yeah. So what was the experience like in like uh, submitting your papers and getting your, your call? Oh, um, you know, it's been so long. I can't really remember okay. the <laughs> submitting my papers. Um, you know, I know with now that I've gone through it with my, my oldest son who served his mission, mm-hmm. um, quite a few years ago now, but, um, you know, of course all of it was, you know, electronic and, and so I don't really remember, um, submitting the papers, but I do remember, um, when I got my mission call, I had actually just gotten my wisdom teeth out that morning. Oh, wow. (laughs) And so, um, so I have pictures of me opening my mission call on a couch with, you know, bags of ice around my head and my cheeks were all swollen and, um, not, not the best looking picture of me, but anyway, (laughs) that's, that's what I remember is getting my mission call and reading it and, um, just being obviously just being overwhelmed and excited and, and thrilled. So I think that must be a common experience that is just so not fun of getting, going through the mission, uh, uh, processes that the wisdom teeth being removed. (laughs) That's that's a right. common experience. Not a great experience, but <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> oh, so okay. So where where were you called then? So I was called to the France Bordeaux mission, mm-hmm. um, which is actually, as you know, not not a mission anymore. Yeah. Um, it's been dissolved and reabsorbed into other uh, missions, but yeah. that was the mission that I was called to. And was it eighteen months? Yes, it was eighteen months. Okay. Do you have any memories of your farewell talk or, or that day as you were getting ready to leave? Um, I just remember, uh, I remember my mom and I had gone out and we bought me a, a suit, like, you know, a woman's suit. So mm-hmm. I had a skirt and a, and a blazer. And um, I just look back at pictures of that now and think, I just can't even believe that that's what I wore <laughs> for my farewell because it's just so cheesy. But anyway, um, and I remember um, my... A lot of my family members came over for it um, oh, fun. Um, from from Utah to mm-hmm. to come and see me. Um, but again, we're talking at you know 
30 years ago. So yeah. uh, there's some hazy memories of it, but <laughs> nothing very detailed, I'm afraid. That's, that's all right. And then did you go to the Provo MTC, I'm, I'm guessing? I did. Yes, okay. I did. I was there for nine weeks. Okay. How was your experience at the MTC? You know what? I've loved the MTC. I know, um, I think that's a pretty general consensus. Mm -hmm. I know that there are some people that it, uh, they struggle, um, with it, but I think, um, for me, I actually didn't want to leave. Mm -hmm. I loved <laughs> it. I think it was the first time in my life that I had been so immersed in the spirit. Um, because as I'd said before going on a mission, um, I was not, Particularly, you know, I didn't I didn't enjoy going to seminary and mm -hmm. I just it was kind of a pulling teeth to get me to be a part of stuff like that. Yeah. And once I had that experience of being in the MTC and having the spirit just constantly, you know, just 24 yeah. seven, um, I loved it so much that I just didn't I didn't want to leave. I I felt so, it was almost like the first time that I had actually felt at home with mm -hmm. spiritual things. That's awesome. Um, had you studied French at all previous to the MTC? Um, I had actually taken, um, I think, a couple of semesters in high school, more just because it was, you know, we needed electives. And mm -hmm. I thought, sure, well, I'll take I'll take French. Um, and we had an actual um, our teacher at the time was from France. Oh, and cool. so she was actually hard to understand. So mm -hmm. um, I don't remember really doing well in it, but yeah. I do remember thinking it was something that, you know, that was okay. I didn't mind speaking it. Yeah. So you spend nine weeks there. And then uh, mm -hmm. did you have a big group that went to France together? Um, we had actually, it was funny, the group, my, my district in the MTC, um, most of them ended up going to um, Switzerland. Oh, okay. Um, they weren't actually in the mission that I went to. They were mm -hmm. French speaking, but they went to a different mission. Yeah. So as far as any of the elders and sisters that I was in the MTC with, um, it was basically just my companion yeah. from the MTC, Sir Brown. Oh, um, cool. She and I both ended up in the same mission, but everybody else went somewhere else. So Yeah. That's awesome. How was your experience uh, traveling over to, to Bordeaux? Um, you know, I... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I am I am actually deathly afraid of flying. Uh -huh. um, I I my husband works in aviation, and we over the you know time of our marriage have had the opportunity to travel um, with benefits and stuff. And mm -hmm. I just I don't take it up take up on it because I'm I'm actually really afraid of flying. Yeah. But I remember at the time as a missionary, I I wasn't afraid. I knew that plane was not going to go down. It's a pretty safe and, bet um, that uh, it'll, yeah, it'll get there. Yeah, that it's, you're okay. But um, I just remember feeling very, um, I think I was just in a fog. Mm -hmm. You know, I had never really, I'd never traveled on my own before without my family. Yeah. Um, and so I was just kind of following everybody else around and hoping everybody knew where they were going. And, <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, when you finally get to, to France, it's, you know, the, you've got people from the mission home coming to get you. And, mm -hmm. and by this time you're in just, you're, you know, it's the jet lag and everything's just kind of hazy. So, yeah. Yeah. What were your first impressions like of France when you got there? Oh, um, I think I was just, I was just excited to be in a different country. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, um, I, you know, again, 
because everything was focused on the mission, you're not having the same experiences that you would if you were just there as a tourist right. um, for the most part. But um, I do remember that um, the first city that I was sent to, which was Breve, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, my companion had taken me out um, basically just as soon as we'd gotten there. And I just remember thinking, this is not the language that I learned in the MTC. <laughs> I don't recognize anything anybody's saying. Yeah. Um, and so I was in a panic. So yeah. I think it took me a little while to get out of the panic before I could appreciate the country. Yeah. You know, that, that, that did surprise me too. how not, it's not a terribly large country, but how different the accents were based on the region was, was surprising yes. to me also. Right. <laughs> so uh, you met, you got over there, you met uh, the mission president. Who was your mission president? The mission president at the time was President Neil L. Anderson, okay. Elder Anderson um, of the Apostles. Awesome. Was your experience uh, kind of like mine where you stayed just a little while at the mission home, got to meet the mission president, and then you were assigned and sent off pretty quickly? Correct. I remember um, them sending the the sisters. Um, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't remember where everybody went, but I just remember it was me and one of the other sisters that was sent to a little bedroom to um just to nap for a couple of hours mm-hmm. um so that we could kind of get past the jet lag yeah. and then somebody coming in and waking us up and and then yes being assigned to our first first place and how how would you describe to someone who's never been to France what the culture is like there oh um you know i think i was a little i was a little surprised at first simply because of the the um, home life that I'd grown up in, I was I was from a very um, lovey, touchy, feely type of family. We mm-hmm. do a lot of hugging, a lot of saying "I love you," um, and I it, it I think it may have taken me by surprise that the the French culture, the French people, are not at least at first not particularly. Um, they don't come across as really warm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're a little bit more reserved mm-hmm. than. Um, and maybe, I don't know if that's an American thing or if it was just my own personal family, but that was something that, that was surprising to me. Um, but I do, I, I would say that once you get to know the families over there, the people, um, I've made lifelong friendships that are just super close and, and loving and, and, um, such wonderful, um, giving kind people, um, once you past that first little mm-hmm. little bit you know yeah it's interesting I, I haven't really thought of that before but as you're you're kind of describing that it it's even in their their language right that they have like this formality like if i don't know you i'm going to use this vouvoyer type language Correct. but then once you're Correct. in you know and you're, you're you're tight and friends it's that tutoyer all of a sudden now we're we're close and yeah that that's really interesting yeah right yeah so, uh, what were I, I know what the living conditions were like for the elders? What were your living conditions like for the sisters? Uh, you know, I f- feel like we were really taken care of. Um, I, you know, of course, I don't really have a lot of knowledge of what um, the elders' apartments looked like since mm-hmm. we weren't, you know, going in and out of them. But yeah. um, I do know that, at least my experience, all the apartments that I lived in um, were very. Um, very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, my first apartment was huge. When I look oh, back cool. on it now, it's like it was enormous. Uh-huh. Um, 
And um, I loved the fact that it was tucked back in one of the alleyways. And, yeah. you know, it was just very um, just it, almost like what you would see in a movie, yeah. you know, from from pictures of little towns in, in France that just have these, you know, the stone buildings and the stone stairs that go up to them and um, just historic, you know. Yeah. Did, did you adjust to missionary life pretty easily? Um, I think that I adjusted to some of it pretty easily. Some of it was more challenging to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I obviously, you know, the spiritual side of it was probably more of a struggle for me than it could have been for some people because, you know, I had not spent the time before my mission really diligently preparing. Mm -hmm. Um, I had not really gained as much of a testimony as I probably wish I should have or could have. Um, I think part of what was a struggle for me was the, um, being with a companion 24 seven. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm somewhat of an introvert and mm. I don't particularly, I kind of like being by myself. So that was, that was an adjustment for me. Luckily <laughs> I had great companions, so it was not, you know, as difficult. Yeah. So. So just uh, between you you and me here, because no one else is listening, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, the, the missionaries here locally, when I tell them my, my, some of my favorite times on my mission were the long train rides in between transfers when it was just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and they're like just in shock. They're like, you were by yourself? I'm like, for hours. <laughs> And I loved it. <laughs> it was so great. Yeah, <laughs> just to have just to have a little bit of downtime where you could just kind of not feel like you were being rude by not talking to somebody. Yeah. Or yeah, I I totally agree with you. <laughs> Please let my transfer be to the other side of the mission that will take yes. all day with twelve <laughs> transitions and layovers and. Oh, exactly. No, I I get that. I get that. There, there's definitely a part of me that likes a little quiet time, a little, right. little solace. So, <laughs> so uh, again, I, I I have my uh, perceptions and and lived in the same country. But how would you describe the the food in France? I. I, you know, if I had, could have lived on um, the pastries and all of the, <laughs> you know, the stuff like that and the bread, mm-hmm. I would have done great. But um, I did struggle a little bit. We didn't, I don't know about you, we didn't get invited to members' homes a lot mm-hmm. um, on my mission. I think that, I don't know if that was a cultural thing or if it was just because the church was new enough there that the members didn't know to invite us over mm. as much or maybe it just wasn't ex- i don't know yeah. but um it was you but I, no i'm just kidding oh, okay. <laughs> it was just me. They just didn't want me there. That's everyone else got invited no, I'm kidding. Well, it's important that i know that i guess but um <laughs> but i i'm with you as i i love the the fresh baguettes the crepes the nutella that, right. kind, that kind of stuff the all the pastries right. oh yeah that that's yeah in fact we we went over to the uh, open house um, for the Paris Temple, and and every morning just stopped into a little boulangerie, and that was that was breakfast. Right. So <laughs> perfect. That was perfect, perfect for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, how did you get around in the mission? Were you on bus or bike or? Um, predominantly bike. Mm-hmm. Um, we did occasionally take the bus certain places if we were, um, if the weather was, you know extremely cold or there was some snow, um, we would take a bus, but for the most part, we would either walk to our appointments 
or ride a bus or ride a bike. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I I always felt bad because um, you were in dresses. Um, now now the <laughs> sisters they can they can wear like slacks. Uh, right. And if you were on a bike, that would have been a lot easier. But uh, yeah, that must have been you know tricky getting around uh, with with a dress on, going to church on a bike. So I, I'm very jealous of the sisters that get to wear pants. Yeah, that, that's got to be a way easier <laughs> way to handle it. So what was the weather like uh, through your your areas that you served? Well, I think because we were, as you know, as we were down in the southern part, you know, winters were really quite mild. Mm-hmm. I only remember. Um, really only remember one snowstorm and that was when I was in Nîmes um and you know riding my bike and that was a little challenging in fact mm-hmm. I remember there was a little bit of a accident with a car and mm-hmm. um nothing serious but just you know the roads I don't think anybody there knew how to drive in snow is yeah. what I think yeah. part of the problem <laughs> was because they just don't get it very often but um I think other than that you know summers were really warm mm-hmm. um and even more so when you're pedaling your bike around yeah. and uphill and, um, you know, just trying to stay hydrated and everything. But I mm. thought the I, I don't know if that was the same experience you had, but weather in all the cities I was at was, you know, pretty mild. Yeah. Overall, I mean, we had some rain here and there. I had one kind of the same thing. One one time uh, we had snow for, you know, a couple of days. But other than that, you know, uh, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I asked. What what cities did you serve in? I started my mission in Breve, La Gaillard, and um, then I went to Nîmes, which is a city I served in the longest and which was by far my favorite city just mm-hmm. because of the, the Roman um, historical part mm-hmm. of it. I loved all of that. Um, and then I went to Po, mm-hmm, yeah. um, down by the I Pyrenees. I love Po. Yep, that was my yeah, last po city. Was a, po, okay, po was, a, po was a great city. I loved it, too. Um, and then I finished out in La Rochelle. Yeah. And that's, that's where we served together. Yes, yeah. correct. So as uh, a missionary, um, back in the nineties, what, what years were you there? I was there from 90 to 91. Okay. So 90 to 91, how did you go about uh, finding people to teach? Predominantly just knocking on doors. Mm-hmm. We, we did a lot of knocking on doors. We did a lot of um, street contacting, um, every once in a while, um, there would be, you know, we'd do like a little, um, set up like in a, in a town square, as mm-hmm. you remember from La Rochelle, where we yeah. would, um, you know, have like a little booth that we would set up to talk to people that wanted to know more about what we were doing. And, yeah. um, but, but predominantly at the time we didn't have a lot of, um, member referrals right uh, yeah. at least i don't remember having hardly any it yeah. was it was really all on us the one member referral that i got not only and it wasn't even a member referral it was like someone had gone to a visitor center and we got this oh, referral okay. and we went all the way out to this house spent all this time going out there and it was a joke they had like put down someone else's address and <laughs> <laughs> it didn't turn out well, of course <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, but back to La Rochelle. Okay, I, I don't know if you remember this. Um, we're doing this. We've got this big setup. You know, we've got. It seemed like maybe we even had like a pitch, big picture of a Book of Mormon or something. And we're all all the missionaries are out there, and I think some of the youth. And we're we're trying to talk to people. And La Rochelle's this. Uh, it's kind of a touristy town. Have people from right. from all over. It's a beach town, and I'm a pretty new missionary, and. 
someone gets in my face and flips off my tag and it goes scooting down this cobblestone road and knocks the Book of Mormon out of my hand and kind of pushes me and all of a sudden there's this crowd around me and I, I'm not understanding what he's saying. I don't know what I've done. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, that's not what everyone was like, but how, <laughs> maybe that was a horrible way to set this up, but how, how receptive were the people uh, in your, in your, on your mission? Um, you know, I don't really remember an awful lot of um, hateful experiences. We, you know, we certainly had, um, you know, the door slammed and, mm-hmm. you know, people telling us they weren't in inter- some into Haspa. So I, I don't remember a lot of um, anyone being particularly unkind um, or confrontational. Mm-hmm. That may have had something to do with being sisters. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was a little bit more um, kindness or you yeah. know politeness towards us because we were women. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but you know we we certainly got you know some people that would, make fun of us or, you know, yeah. um, or just not be particularly welcoming. Yeah. But, but not, I don't remember anything really that made me go, Oh, I need to get out of here. This is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think some people just found it, uh, kind of interesting that we, we were speaking French too. Um, I think right. that may have helped us all of a sudden they, they kind of liked our accent. Like, Oh, what, who, who are you? What well, you're speaking French. And <laughs> well, I don't know. Did you find it? I mean, people seem to be more willing to talk to us because at the time, you know, with us being Americans, mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't, at least from what I remember, they didn't really have like a bad negative feeling about Americans at the time. So it was kind of fun to them yeah. to like invite yeah. us into their homes and say, Oh, these are Americans young people and right and so i remember i remember more often than not getting in not necessarily because of what we were talking about but because we were americans mm-hmm. yeah there was definitely a fascination especially with the younger kids uh just right. you know the uh americans you know and and uh, basketball and different things at least you know I, I'd, I'd see that from uh the the youth um do you have uh something you could tell us about someone you taught uh one of my favorite stories, um, of, of teaching, um, on my mission, um, is to a woman named Mary Therese Gallego, who, um, when I was in Neem and I'm still in touch with her and her family and, um, just adore her. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in Neem, we had, uh, we were, we were particularly, our area was the, the Ashalem. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just remember, you know, this was during the time of the, um, Gulf War, mm-hmm. where there was a period of time where we weren't even allowed to leave our apartments. Right. They were fearful for our safety. But this area that, that Mary Therese and her family lived in was in one of those Ashalems. And mm-hmm. I just remember um, going to her door and knocking on it and her opening it. And it was just from, it was her and her daughter, um, Mary Lolita, and they let us in. And I think it was maybe two or three lessons she just everything we were talking about was just so it was like everything she just had been waiting for had been wanting to hear and you know she just absolutely loved having us come by and um one of the few places that i did go for dinner um Mm -hmm. and she just it was really amazing that as we were teaching one of the lessons she and her daughter looked at each other and said 
they both said almost at the same time, this is what we have been waiting for. And, and, and literally asked us if they could get baptized. Mm. And, um, so I remember that. And also one of the things that made that special was Mary Tress wanted to get, um, baptized in the ocean. And (laughs) we were not at all sure that that was going to fly. We Mm. didn't think president Anderson was going to go for that at all, but, um, he spoke with her and, arrangements were made and that's where she ended up getting having her baptism was at the ocean that is so So, cool wow yeah what were sundays like uh, in the areas where you served well as you know there's certain it depended on the city you were in whether you had a large branch a small branch whether Mm -hmm. there was a church or whether it was just a a home that had been kind of modeled into something that you could have meetings at yeah um i only remember I'm trying to think now it's been so long, but I, I think there was only one, one city that I lived in that had an actual, and it wasn't really a church. It was more of like an office building, Mm. um, that we, that we would, you know, ride our bikes to for, for meetings, but everything else was very, um, very humble, very, Mm -hmm. um, you would not recognize it as a church necessarily from the outside. Yeah. Um, Did that surprise you? Because that that really surprised me. I I grew up in Utah, had had really no experience outside of Utah. And my first city was La Rochelle. And it was like this little small home that we we met in. Right. Did that surprise you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I wasn't I didn't grow up in Utah, but we certainly had stake centers and, Mm -hmm. and everything here. So, yeah, I I I was not prepared for that. I was not prepared for going to branches when I had lived my whole life, you know, going to wards, yeah. you know, where you had, you know, maybe 10 or 12 people show up and, and, you know, several people doing more than one calling. That was, yeah. that was definitely surprising to me. And I think humbling mm-hmm. to realize how, um, how blessed and how lucky we are to have it in yeah. over here where the church is, you know, has grown and yeah. was established. But yeah, that was, yeah, that was something I think that was really interesting about our mission is that the church, was really new in some areas. And, um, I remember in La Rochelle, they had this little chart of tracking how many people had come to church and that they had some type of goal that if we could maintain so many people, I don't remember what it was every week, we could get a real like church built. Um, and, uh, and you know, I think about that now and it sounds very like, I don't know, beginning of the church, like pioneerish, like we, we were right. kind of pioneers of, of, you know, the, 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 the French mission. In some of those areas, we really were. Yeah. Well, what was a typical P-Day like for you? Oh, well, from what I remember, it was really busy. Like, I, I think I went into it thinking that, you know, your, your personal preparation day was going to be, you know, you could rest, mm-hmm. but that was the only time we had to go grocery shopping, to clean, to, um, you know, to write letters. Um, I know, you know, that's one of the things that's changed now, I think, is there's a little bit more, um, leeway with, you know, communication and Mm -hmm. stuff. But, but for us, it was, you know, if you had three or four people you were writing, you were either writing really, really quick letters or you were not getting much else done that day. Right. And so, um, so, but, you know, some of the wonderful parts of that was on the on P days was the time we could actually go and be a little touristy mm-hmm. and go and see some of the, you know, fun things that were there that we didn't get to see on our, you know, daily basis. Yeah. 
I remember one very choice place in La Rochelle, which uh, you wouldn't think would be a big destination for Amer- uh, at least uh, um, you know Americans because it's so common. But Baskin Robbins was right. was like that was like our our place. Like oh we we need we need Baskin Robbins. We we thought we'd scored when we ended up in a city that had a Baskin Robbins yeah. in it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so was it always? Uh, awesome or were there struggles during during the mission oh there was definitely struggles i mean i you know i can look back on it now and i don't i don't particularly think of all the the difficult times Mm -hmm. um i focus more on you know the blessings that came from it and the the good things that happened but there were definitely you know i certainly had my my moments of thinking i'd made a mistake i wanted Mm -hmm. to go home um How, how did you overcome those those trials you know, I think um, probably letters from my, my parents telling me to get over myself was mm. part of it. <laughs> Not worrying about, you know, what I wanted, but just, you know, do what I was there to do. And mm-hmm. um, and I think also just feeling like knowing that that was I was there for a purpose. I was there not just to to help myself to grow, but that I was there, I'd been called, I was there to, to find certain people and which, you know, now I can look back and see clearly the people that I, that I was able to touch and and reach with it and that are still in my life. Um, that helped me to, to realize that it was a bigger thing than just about me. And that Mm -hmm. I, you know, it may have been my first real experience in my transitioning into adult life where I realized that life isn't always going to be fun. It's not always going to be easy. And sometimes some of the best things that happen to us, um, come from difficulties and and challenges. For sure. What was your favorite part about being a missionary? Um, gosh, I mean, I'd love to say it was, you know, just being in that country itself. I, Mm -hmm. I, I know that, you know, all missionaries love the mission they go to. My son served in Finland and he swears that's the best place in the world. (laughs) And, um, but I, I, I just, I loved the friendships that I formed there, the people that I, I, um, whether they were, you know, the locals that I made friends with or the missionaries that I served with, just having those relationships in my life all these years later. Um, and yeah. knowing that those were times that we shared and experiences that kind of bonded us. Um, President Anderson talked a lot about miracles. Uh, as a missionary, how did you see the hand of the Lord? Well, I think, you know, we were both there, I believe, for the, the 50, 50 baptisms in in one month. That was That was something that was miraculous to me, even though my companionship at the time didn't contribute Mm-hmm. to that, those baptisms. Maybe explain what that was, that 50 baptisms. So, and you may have to help me because, you know, like I said, <laughs> some of this is real fuzzy, but yeah. I, I know that President Anderson had, had, had talked to us about um, setting a, a goal that we could see the Lord's hand in. And, you know, I think sometimes we, as missionaries and just as people in general, we just tend to, you know, we think small. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just wanting something little in our lives. And, I think that President Anderson wanted us to focus on really um, seeing what the Lord could do. And so he yeah. basically asked us as a mission to set a goal of 50 baptisms for a month. And I don't even remember what month it was. Yeah. Um, but 
and and for some missions that may not seem like a lot of baptisms i know there's missions out there that that's nothing but for us that was an almost impossible number right. we just thought there's how are we even going to do this yeah. and um yeah so seeing that actually happen i think for all of us that was amazing mm-hmm. when that actually happened because because we we realized that it wasn't just a number because we heard the stories behind it yeah. and all of the the things that had happened to get where we were and it was you know we could see the miracle of it it wasn't just you know that we'd gone out and talked people into it there were there were actual miracles that happened and i think that really um influenced a lot of us yeah yeah for sure i you know i look back on a lot of my experiences and, and think that, you know, we, I I knew that at the time that we were being, we were part of something special that was happening and, and that we were part of it. Um, do you, do you have any special experiences, uh, that stand out from your, your mission? Anything that stands out? Um, you know, I, the one, the one memory I have that's, that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. And it was when I was basically brand new, could mm-hmm. not really communicate that well. I, I knew the bare minimums and I, um, I was still very nervous to talk to people. I still was very uncomfortable with trying to teach anything. And I had a companion that pushed me, um, hmm. which I hated at the time, yeah. but I know, you know, now I know it was, <laughs> it was for my, it was for my good, but we had gone to teach a, a young woman who was, um, her, she wanted to learn. She wanted to to hear what we had to say, but she was very, um, very convinced that um, reincarnation was mm-hmm. um, kind of her path that she was going to follow. And mm-hmm. and I found it interesting because she talked about reincarnation so freely, but she also talked about the love that she had for Christ mm. and um, the atonement. And as we were talking and kind of just going back and forth, and of course it was not me talking at all, it was my companion more, but I remember specifically this thought came into my mind that I needed to tell her that if she believed in Christ and the atonement and the resurrection, then then, um, reincarnation was not, it would make no sense Mm -hmm. to have that if if we actually believed in the atonement and the resurrection and, and I had absolutely no idea how to say it. I knew I was thinking it in my mind in English um, because at that time I could understand what people were saying way better than I could speak. (laughs) And as you know, remember that feeling. Um, And so I just remember feeling like I needed to say that. And this moment of silence came where my companion almost felt like, I think she didn't know what else to say. And I was able to, Say those words. And I, to this day, I think, I don't even remember how I put it together. I don't remember having that, that, you know, it all coming together for me, but it did. And I just remember the look on her face. Like, I think she was somewhat shocked that I had actually spoken because (laughs) I hadn't been speaking up to that point. But also the fact that what I had said, I remember her saying, actually, that makes sense to me. That actually resonates. And so that is something that that has stayed with me all these years. That is awesome. Do you have any, uh, anything that you remember, uh, about president Anderson that, uh, that stands out? Gosh, so many things. Um, just what a, you know, I think all of us knew 
um, as we served under him and under his wife, I feel like we all knew what amazing and special people they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know that it came as any big surprise to any of us when he was called to be first a general authority and then yeah. um, to be an apostle. I think we all um, had a testimony that that was absolutely from Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just just his um, his kindness his ability to motivate us by just, you know, pleading with us with kindness to just give everything to the Lord. Yeah. And um, I remember Sister Anderson being um, m- more of the the one that would be very straight shooting towards you about things, um, <laughs> and and you know, not not sugarcoating things. Yeah. Um, when we needed it. Yeah. Yeah, she was not in the background at all. That's something no. I really appreciated about them. They they led that mission together. Absolutely. Yeah. So 18 months of your life, they're dedicated to uh, preaching the gospel, and then you find yourself at home, and you're taking off that missionary tag for the last time. What was that like? Um, you know, I think I know that there are people that struggle um, with that coming home. I think that I, I think I did struggle with it, but because my life was such a whirlwind as soon as I got home Mm -hmm. that I didn't realize it. Um, as soon as I got home, the, the young man that was waiting for me, that's now my husband, Mm -hmm. um, we immediately started dating and, you know, three months later we were engaged and three months more we were, you know, married basically. Um, and so I didn't realize the adjustment, but I, I do now looking back, think there were times where, you know, I think that I struggled with trying to get back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. And as any missionary that speaks, a you know, has gone down to speak a different language, there's just that trying to readjust to speaking your, <laughs> your native tongue again. You yeah. know, yeah. Um, I remember there were times when Scott and I would go on a date and I would be talking to him and he would be staring at me and I would say, what? And he'd say, I don't know. You just went on a whole big tangent and I don't understand a thing you just said. <laughs> and I was like, oh, whoops, I didn't realize. So, um, you know, so it's just, it's just little things like that. But I, yeah. I feel like I was able to come back and, and get back into things. Okay. That's awesome. You know, the missionaries now, they have this thing called my plan. It's a five-year plan to kind of help them, uh, make goals as they, they, get back into the swing of things. What, what have you done to keep your faith strong after coming home? Well, you know, I think just like everybody, I think it, it your, your path in life tends to not go straight up. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as your testimony is concerned, I, I say that as somebody that that's been my experience and the experience of a lot of people around me, there may be some people that have just, done nothing but go up, but I found mine to be more of an up and down, Mm -hmm. um, where I've, I've had seasons of really, um, feeling close to the Lord Mm -hmm. and other times where I have felt like I'm starting all over again. Um, but I think one of the things that I've done, um, consistently has been, um, probably just trying to, um, treat people in a way that I feel like Christ would want me to. Mm. Um, it's not so much about, you know, I, I, I struggle with scripture study. I do really good for a while and then Mm. times I don't do as well. And same thing with prayer and 
you know, maybe the things I watch or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I feel like one thing that's always been important to me has been trying to um, see other people as Christ does and treat them at least kindly. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. What what role has your mission played in, in your life? We've passed a few years now since uh, hmm. since those days yeah. in La Rochelle. What what right. what role has that mission played now in your life? Um, I think just the fact that it cemented my testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I know that I always had a testimony, but um, I think that the experiences I had on a mission on my mission were. Um, so profound and so life changing for me, not, you know, not in any sense that I, you know, had any huge miracles, but I think that there were just experiences I had where it, it taught me that the Lord is there, that the gospel is, is true, that, um, all those things that you hope that you gain from a mission that I came Mm. home and, and said, okay, now I have that, um, that sturdiness in it. And that's been hugely helpful, um, as, as we all go through trials in life and, and, and find ourselves sometimes questioning the whys and Mm -hmm. is he there? And, you know, why am I going through these things? Um, I I think that it helped me to not waver in those moments as much. That's awesome. Um, so I, I told you I wouldn't make you speak too much French, but could, yeah. you, could you give us a taste of French? Maybe like if you were just to show up to a door and introduce yourself as a, as a missionary from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, how, how would that sound? Okay, well, give me a second here to prepare that one. <laughs> That's all right. I got to tell you, I mean, I like, I'm still in that point where I understand it a lot better than I speak sure. it anymore. And um, so if I was approaching a door, I would say, bonjour. Je m'appelle Sœur Chadwick et je suis missionnaire pour l'Église de Jésus-Christ des Saints de Dernier Jour. See, that was awesome. And you still have <laughs> a very good accent. So, très well, bien, sir. <laughs> oh, merci beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, my last question, um, if there was something that you'd want your posterity to know about your missionary service, what would it be? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I just think that I would want them to know that um, that you know we're here on this earth to help each other, and that's you know that's one of the main reasons we're here is yeah. to just serve each other. And if we can find ways to um, share the the happiness that we have. Um, of knowing what the plan is here on this earth. It just seems to me like there's so many people out there that are questioning now why, you know, what is the purpose of all of this with the world being as crazy as it is. And to think that you could give people a little bit of, of hope and um, to, to have less fear, um, I think is such an important opportunity that we have. And so I guess I think that's, you know, one of the great things about serving a mission is, when you find people who are willing to listen and you see the the blessings that come into their life, the changes that come from knowing who they are, that they're actually sons and daughters of a heavenly father that loves them. Um, I think that that's so rewarding mm. and that you're doing that little piece to help 
your brothers and sisters here to to find their way back. Yeah, that's beautiful. I, I I've thought about how it goes so against the grain of uh, nineteen year old twenty. Were you twenty one when when you? I was twenty one. Yeah, yeah. So I I was I was twenty. That that age where you everything's about you, and all of a sudden you just turn that upside down. You go on a mission and focus 100% on other people and how you can help them. And and it ends up being just such a blessing to, to find out that that actually brings a lot of joy and, and, and happiness. And that, yeah, that's right. beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Well, Krista, thank you for your missionary service and for taking some time to share your highlights from, from your service in France. If there's one thing I remember about serving with you, it's that you were a fun missionary. <laughs> And uh, you you have a great sense of humor. You, you even took a picture with me next to a Coke truck in La Rochelle. That's right. So you that, were... <laughs> was our, that was our personal vice at the time. We were trying to find a way to, to get into that picture, weren't we? Yeah. Yes. But uh, I know the members loved you, and I'm sure that everyone that you taught loved you, and you're a great missionary. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Fair. I appreciate it. A very special thanks to my friend Krista White, formerly Sir Chadwick, for sharing her experiences. It was so fun catching up with her. In today's Missionary Minute, Krista mentioned how she learned to love and serve others as one of her big takeaways from her missionary service. An often quoted scripture from the Book of Mormon comes from Mosiah 2, where King Benjamin, a leader and prophet for his people, taught that when ye are in the service of your fellow beings, ye are only in the service of your God. Well, that was true 2,000 years ago, and it's true today. Uh, Krista and I served together with a a total of six missionaries in in this beautiful coastal port town of La Rochelle. Um, There was a special bond between us. I was only there for four months out of my entire life, but when I get together with those people, we are still very close. We laugh. We have a love for each other. I didn't know going into the mission, and I don't think I really even realized as a missionary that I was making lifelong friends, both with my fellow missionaries, but with the members and those investigating the church as well. One of the reasons that there is this lifelong bond is because of what King Benjamin was teaching. As a priesthood holder and an elder in the church, we would often give blessings to the sister missionaries when they were sick or in need of a blessing. They might bake us cookies, or we would sometimes take turns as a companionship and make dinner for the district, which was the six of us. Um, we had four elders and two sisters in this district and, you know, we prayed together. We often, uh, prayed multiple times a day together. We prayed for each other's friends who were investigating the church in, in French. We called them les amis de l'église. We, we were young and unexperienced and relying on faith and the Lord to guide us in his work. And we just came to love each other as brothers and sisters. I was very blessed to be in the service of my fellow beings in France. Well, that's about it for today's show. If you or someone you know has served a mission and you think that they would be a fun guest for the show, please contact me at goyeforthpodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page. You can find the Facebook page, Go Ye Forth Podcast. Uh, We are looking for uh, former mission presidents, people who have served as senior missionaries, uh, sister missionaries, uh, people who have served full-time missions, service missions, and uh, missionaries who have served far and near. Also, if you you like the show, please subscribe. That way you'll get notified when new episodes come out. And we'd appreciate it if you could rate and review the, the podcast on Apple Podcasts or maybe share it with a friend. Well, until next time, wax strong in the gospel, my friends. 